has been exalted here. First Chronicles chapter number 29. First Chronicles chapter 29. That's the Old Testament uh, book. Not to be confused with the Corinthians of the New Testament. And uh, you will find that in the first half of your Bible. Not far from the middle of your Bible. First and Second Chronicles. Our text this morning is a rather lengthy one. I won't read all of that, uh, that what I would, which I would like to read with you uh, in the introduction here. We'll read just a portion of it. But I want to read to you uh, and preach from the first 19 verses of First Chronicles 29. I'll just take about five or six minutes on each verse. Just wait to see if you're awake this morning. All right. Haven't you had too much to eat already? You're still a little semi-comatose. All right. Okay. Let's stand together out of respect for the reading of the Word of God. And I want to ask you, if you would, just to read with me uh, verse number uh, 1, 2, and 3. And then I'm going to highlight a phrase or two in several verses. Begin with me, if you would, First Chronicles 29, reading verses 1, 2, and 3. Ready? Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my heart for the house of my God, the gold for the things to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, onyx stones, and stones to be set, glistering stones, and of divers colors, and all manner of precious stones, and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper goods of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. He defines what he gave in the verses that follow. Verse number five, I'm picking up myself the gold for things of gold, silver for things of silver, for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artificers. And notice this phrase, and who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Notice that phrase. Who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? We get to verse number 6. Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work, read the next two words, offered willingly. Verse 7, they gave and... Verse 8, they gave precious stones. Verse 9, then the people rejoiced that they, next two words, offered willingly. Because with a perfect heart, they offered willingly to the Lord. Get down to verse number 14. David is in now a prayer, public prayer to the Lord before all the people. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to, next three words, offer so willingly. And now in verse 17, I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart as pleasure and uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of mine heart, read the next four words, I have willingly offered all these things. In verse number five, we read at the end of the verse, who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? David, here's basically what we just read. David made a great sacrifice to the Lord. He then challenged the leaders of the nation to do the same. And they responded as David did. He then goes on to challenge the nation as a whole. And the nation as well overwhelmingly responds. The question that he put forth that was the challenge is the end of verse 5. When he asked this question, who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord. I want to speak to you on the subject, the spirit of consecration. Heavenly Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to take this portion of Scripture and observe how you use your servant and how others came along beside him 
And then many, many came until a nation uh, unified and with willing hearts consecrated their service to the Lord and to his work. Help us to learn something of this wonderful spirit today, this spirit of consecration in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. To give you a little further context to the passage of Scripture that we've just read, it was David's dream to build a permanent house of the Lord. The tabernacle was a temporary, it was a tent, it was a temporary place. It, would, it could be packed up and moved and then set up again. And it was the original place of worship for God's people, the tabernacle housed inside the Holy of Holies and then the, uh, excuse me, the Holy Place and then the Holy of Holies. And uh, there was different pieces of furniture there in the Holy Place. Then the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holiest of Holies outside of the courtyard is where the sacrifices were made. And uh, and uh, God was very specific uh, uh, how he wanted his people to worship. All of those Old Testament uh, uh, rituals, uh, specific instructions for worship have uh, lessons for us today. And all of it, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, were, were a, a collective shadow that lead us to God's Lamb, Jesus Christ. And all of it pictured one day God would sacrifice a lamb, His only begotten Son, Jesus, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. There's beautiful lessons in all of that. David longed and had an idea that he would love to have a permanent place where we would call the, they would call the house of God and uh, the temple as it would be known. And it was his dream to do so. When it came to his mind and to his heart, he called uh, his man of God, if you will, his prophet, and he said, I've got an idea. And the prophet of God said, that's a great idea. And as he was walking out of the palace, God spoke to him and said, that wasn't my idea. And he said, go back. And so he turned back around. He said, David, look, I just thought it was a great idea, and I spoke right away. It's a good idea. He said, but you know, the Lord said it wasn't his ideas. He did say this, though, that he's going to let your son do it. You won't be able to do it. You've been a man of war. You shed a lot of blood. And you're, you're known as a warrior. And he said, but God's going to let your son do it. Well, David, uh, David longed to build that temple, but he obviously understood what God's message was for him. And so he spent the rest of his life preparing for the building of the temple. The, uh, the location is, uh, is the location called today the Temple Mount. Uh, it is also the location where uh, uh, Jesus uh, the, uh, Christ was lifted up just outside of Jerusalem, uh, where uh, uh, Christ was uh, 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 sacrificed. Uh, that same region, that same location is uh, reaching back all the way to Abraham's day where he took uh, his son Isaac on the top of that mount and uh, by God's instruction was ready to, to sacrifice his own son, the promised son from whence would come a nation. Uh, 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 and, uh, and, uh, and he was ready to obey. And God said, no, you don't have to. I see your willingness. And uh, it was there. Isaac, of course, pictures Jesus Christ. Abraham pictures God the Father. And there, on that place there, uh, 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 David uh, 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 sacrificed in that uh, uh, threshing floor of Ornon. And uh, there, eventually, Christ uh, uh, would be crucified on that site. Very, very significant site. You might call it the epic center of the entire world. And here, uh, here, David is uh, is uh, 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 wishing that he could be the one to build this structure. But God said, no, you're going to prepare. You're going to prepare. Can I say this uh, to, to moms and dads that are here? We have several young people here. Uh, and some of you are out of town now and you have your own families and come back. And, and uh, some of you are, are still coming up. Some of you are uh, off in school someplace. And, and uh, mom and dad, may I, may I ask you to consider something? Perhaps the greatest works that we'll ever do with our lives is what God allows our children to do. Amen. I remember many years ago uh, when mom and dad still lived in Tennessee and dad was pastoring the Wears Valley Independent Missionary Baptist Church there. And I remember we had a prayer time together and he brought up something I had not heard. In fact, it was something he hadn't heard until just recent years before that. My, my dad's uh, uh, dad, of course, was um, uh, a drunkard and uh, he died when my dad was three years old. 
And so uh, his mom raised him then, and then and then she remarried eventually. And and I had a my granddaddy was my step granddaddy, if you will, and that's the only granddaddy I knew. But when when my when my biological grandfather died, my grandmother began to pray that my dad would be a preacher. She didn't tell him that, but she said, "God, would you use my son? Would you use my son? Make him a preacher. Use him." And she prayed and prayed and prayed. Eventually, uh, he, God called my dad to preach, of course, his freshman year at Bob Jones University. He switched his major. And I said, Mom, I, I, God's called me to preach. And so uh, he did that. Well, uh, fast forward many years later, uh, when my dad was pastoring in Tennessee, and, we, and he said, uh, he, he prayed a prayer. And uh, he, he told us, he said, you know, uh, I found out something. I found out that Mom, my grandmother, prayed, even when I was just a little guy, prayed that God would make me a preacher. And she didn't tell me that for years. I mean, he was already in ministry before uh, she ever told him that. And, uh, and then he said this, he said, Mom and I, our prayer for you is that God would use you in a greater way even than he's using us. And that was humbling for me to hear that. And I've heard my dad uh, pray that prayer, my mom as well, pray that prayer through the years on numbers of occasions. And may I say this, uh, David had a dream. He wanted to see something happen for God, but his dream came true, but it came through through his children. And, you know, the job we have to love and influence and teach and train and bring up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord the next generation is a pretty important job, isn't it? Amen? And so I would say to the, to the David generation, if you will, let's, let's rear our children in love and know the Lord and, and, and live for the Lord. And I would say to the next generation, live for the Lord. Amen. And let God use you. And let God use you. And David had this dream. Now, he, 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 God said, I'm not going to let you do it, David. I'm going to let it be done in the next generation. So here's what David said. I'm going to prepare. With all of my heart. Look at what he said in verse number 2. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. Of my, of my God. He set aside gold. He set aside silver. He set aside brass. He set aside iron and wood and, and, and speci- uh, precious gemstones, onyx stones, glistering stones, or we would call them uh, precious jewels, uh, uh, marble. He, he of his own store, the text tells us. This was out, this was not, uh, this wasn't, uh, the, the kingdom's, uh, uh, resources. This is David giving of his own resources in preparation. Look what he says in verse number three. He said, moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good gold and silver and so forth given to the house of God. David, you know what David said? He said, I like that phrase, by the way, verse three. He said, I have set my affection. I have set my affection. Hey, by the way, you and I can choose to do the same thing. Amen. You can choose to do things. You know, you know, I just love, I just love church. Amen. I just love church. I love the Bible. I love singing. I love the choir. I love preaching. Amen. He said, I like football. Go ahead, like football. Why you had it? Like church too. Amen. He set his affection. The Bible said, set your affections on things above. This verse again reemphasizes the fact that you can choose to love what you ought to love. You can choose to love what you ought to love. You know, you know, I go down the road sometimes and, 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 and talk to people and say, I just don't know how you listen to that church music. I go down the road, stop at the stop, stoplight and hear, and I think, I don't know how you can like that. Guess what? The Bible says in the New Testament, Jesus said, set your affection on things above. One of the great truths of the Christian life is this. You say, well, I can't help it. We talk about love like it's a mud puddle. You fall in and out of it. No, no. You can love what you ought to love. Amen. You know what you ought to decide right now? You're sitting in church today. You say, you know, I, I like being here. Amen. You ought to say, I like being here. Some of you are here, but I'm not Jimmy. Like, if you, if you do, or if you are enjoying it, you should tell your face because your face is saying something different. Anyway, but you, I'm talking about you can make up your mind. You can make up your mind. I like it. I like it. I like the things of God. Amen. I like church. Amen. I like the choir. Amen. I like the songs we sing. Amen. I like the preaching. Amen. Ah, oh, we said there's more amens on that one. But anyway, 
You can, you can decide to love the things that you ought to love. And David said, you know, I love this idea. I'm gonna, I love the idea of having a place where God's people can come and gather and God's work can be done and God can be exalted. And, and, and I, 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 I love this thought. I love this idea. And it wasn't just lip service. He put his, literally put his money where his mouth is, so to speak. And he literally gave sacrificially to this uh, uh, to this project. He then posed a question to the leadership in verse number 5. Who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? In other words, he's saying this. He said, I, look, this is what I've done. And, and he, he wasn't doing it braggadociously. He wasn't wanting to do it to... He said, this is what I've done. He said, but what he's saying is this. Hey, look, I'm in this first. And, and, and this is what I've done. Is there anybody else willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord. There was an overwhelmingly positive response in verse 6. The chief of the fathers, the princes of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and of hundreds were the rulers of the kings. This is the leadership of the nation. The Bible said they offered willingly and they gave. Let me show you the, some things here. That The spirit that seized, if you will, the nation. This spirit of consecration. The Webster's Dictionary, 1828, says the word consecrated means devoted or set apart. Devoted or set apart. Can I, can I tell you something? There, there's, there's, just, there's just something about giving yourself devotedly, consecrating yourself to something. One of the, one of the weaknesses of this generation in which we live... We are living a Bible prophecy, by the way. The Bible tells us at, at, at near the return of Jesus Christ to this earth to rapture up the saints. Uh, uh, people are running to and fro throughout the earth. Transportation. A hundred years ago, the fastest you could go is on a horse or a boat. Now then, you can fly to the other side of the world in 24 hours or less. Now, uh, it also said that knowledge would increase. Rapid knowledge, uh, knowledge would increase rapidly uh, uh, at the end of this uh, time frame before Jesus Christ comes back. And can I kind of tell you something? Again, a uh, uh, hundred years ago, you'd have to collect newspapers, you'd have to find books, and uh, and, and and now then, you could just uh, somebody says, uh, you know, how much does it this way, or how much, how long do you cook the turkey in a deep fryer? Click, 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 click. How many of you, how many of you Google that? Okay, all right. I wasn't the only one there. Okay, but uh, anyway, and so I mean, with at the at, at, at the touch of a button. In a matter of seconds, we have the information. It's it's accessible. It's increased uh, 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 greatly. And 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 and, and uh, with all my heart, my dear friend, listen. Jesus Christ is coming, and He is coming soon. Amen. He's coming soon. But one of the weaknesses of this generation, with us increased knowledge, is this: is that we we have a lot of communication, but not not a lot of deep communication. You see, the advantage of not having a phone, not having, uh, 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 you know, uh, internet or whatever, the advantage was, okay, 50 years ago, people used to sit on their front porches. Who sits? The porches are for decorating now. (laughs) Or they're on the back. Why? When when I first came to town, uh, 27 years ago, when you drove down Fentwood Street on Friday night, what did you see? Kids lying Fentwood Street, sitting on the hood of their pickup trucks, in their cars. Is that, am I right? Yeah. That's how we, that was our social networking. <laughs> right? That's how they, that was their, that was their, that was their social media. <laughs> so it wasn't media. It was face to face. I opened up a piece of Dove chocolate some time ago. And they got little sayings in them. I mean, you like Dove chocolates. All right. All right. And it opened it up, and it said this, like someone in person. There's a thought. <laughs> like someone in person. Now, my, I forgot my point. No. Uh, uh, my, my point is this, is, is, is that we sat on the front porch, we communicated. There, there was nothing to entertain us. We, and we had to interact with each other. We, we had to talk to each other or talk to nobody. And, 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 and 
the, the weakness of this society is that we have accepted the absence of relational depth. Okay, case in point. Uh, article this week. Marriage is down 33% in Canada. Marriage is down. I, 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 listen, I know you can love. You, you can love. You, you young people. However old you are, you, you're still at home. And you, you say, I'm in love. Dad, I'm in love. I am not denying that a, a teenager can have genuine love. A teenager can have genuine love. But what happens as you grow and mature is your capacity to love grows. You might be able to offer someone genuine love, just not that much. You understand that concept? And what your mom and dad would like for you to do is get a little bigger glass. Or maybe even a five-gallon bucket. Because you're going to need more than that to make your marriage stick. Anybody with me? Amen. See, what, what, what we're lacking, we, we, we lack, we're lacking uh, depth. We don't, want, we don't want to be consecrated to something. We don't want to be devoted. We want to leave ourselves an out. We, 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 we like the idea, we like the, the buzz, we like the way it makes us feel, but we, but, but we don't want to be all in. Hey, listen, listen, God made a man, He made a woman, and, 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 and they were all in. Amen? They were all in. Marriage is God's idea. Amen? Marriage is a symbol of Christ's undying, uh, a devoted love for, for the church, and, 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 and marriage is a good thing. It's God's idea. Amen? And all this nonsense, you know, 42 genders or probably 142 by now. And this person, that person, and two or three or whatever. That brother, none of that nonsense is marriage. It's one man, one woman committed before God. That's marriage. Amen. That's consecration. Devoted. Set apart. Now I'm telling you something. We need that in our Christian lives. We need that in our marriages. We need that in our Christian lives. Listen, so much of Christianity today is about uh, how, how I felt. I went to church and I felt good. I, I like feeling good. But our relationship to God is about our devotion, our consecration to Him. Now, 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 is there joy in that? Yes. Is there a thrill in that? Yes. But listen, I, I, I should take my, you say, well, I just don't have a thrill. Well, listen, the Bible said, set your affection. You should take, if your heart's tied up in something, it ought not be tied up in and get a hold of your heart and take it and put it where it ought to be. Set your affection on things above, the Bible says. Okay? This generation takes God's truth and turns it exactly backwards. Jesus said this, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I, I remember when uh, Al Gore quoted that. I think it was in a debate. He quoted the verse, except he quoted it backwards. You may remember that? He said... He said, well, he said, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. His version supports the, uh, the, 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 the uh, 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 philosophy of, you know, follow your heart. And we teach it to kids, you know, to, from the little kids of the cartoons and birds fluttering, you know, and, and follow your heart and, and uh, whatever. And... But but the Bible said the heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Yeah. No, you better not follow your heart. Your your heart will fall you, lead you right off a cliff. But we're in love. <laughs> now, now, stay with me just a minute. This is a little untoward even to use as an example. I don't want to, but I'm going to to make my point. If some man over here who's married, says to this woman over here who's also married, well, I just love her. Does that mean they ought to be together? No. It means you fell in love with something you shouldn't fall in love with. No, that's why you don't follow your heart. <laughs> you follow truth, amen? 
you, you go back home and, and you get on your knees and you confess, you get that thing right and you decide to love what you ought to love. Amen? And I'm saying, listen, when you come and you say, I, I, David said, I set my affection to this. I made up my mind. I'm going to do this. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to love it because it glorifies God and honors Him. I invite you to come along and get excited about this idea. And I today stand up to you as your pastor and say, let me tell you something. A devoted, consecrated Christian life is not the, the mully grubs. It's not, it's not the, uh, oh, oh, it was so sad. They live it. No, it's a wonderful way of life. You ought to be totally devoted to Jesus Christ. Totally consecrated to Him. I invite you to come on. It's a great way to live. Look at this spirit of consecration. Let's learn just a handful of things. He says in verse number 8. Excuse me, verse number 7. Circle the first two words of verse 7. And gave. David says, this is what I did. I challenged the leadership to do it. And the Bible said they gave. Willingly, they gave. You know what the spirit of consecration is? It is the spirit of of generosity. It is the spirit of generosity. I'm generous with my money, with my time, with my efforts. Do you want to enjoy the things of God? Don't be stingy with the things of God. Amen. Don't be stingy with the things of God. He said, man, I love I don't know. I, enjoy, I started going to this church. So I like it. It's a good church everything. But they have service three times a week. They got on Sunday morning. They got on Sunday night. They got on Wednesday night. Aren't you the one who stayed up half the night watching a Netflix series? Stay with me. Help me now. Help me. But, but those seats aren't very comfortable. Aren't you the guy that sits four hours on a concrete bench to watch cars go But it's so cold and, and, and it's just so long. Aren't you the guy that gets up four o'clock in the morning in 30 degree weather and sit in the deer stand for however many hours? Somebody help me here. He said, I love deer hunting. Yeah, me too. Guess I love church. You can love church too. Amen. Yeah, set your affection there. That means a spirit of generosity. A spirit of generosity. Now, I I think we ought to be respectful. And I I think as a shepherd and as a leadership, I've talked to staff about this sometimes. I have to work at it. We have to work. We, We want to be respectful of the time of God's people, God's people, God's people ought not waste time. Amen. We ought not waste each other's time. But but you know what? We spend our we 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 spend our time doing something. Everybody's doing something. I told you this before. I remember knocking on the door uh, on our street uh, some several years ago, and uh, uh, the guy said, "Yeah, I used to go to Baptist church." And, He's a retired police officer. I used to go to Baptist church and everything. Well, we're not in church now. He said, we're busy on the weekend. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, we do mounted archery. And we teach classes on mounted archery. I said, is that like get on a horse and shoot a bow and arrow? He said, yeah, that's it. He said, if you want lessons, we can work out and get lessons. And and I I thought to myself, I left that house. I thought, everybody's doing something. I don't know where everybody is, but a few of them are shooting bows and arrows. And that's why they're not in church this morning. Everybody's doing something. I mean, I mean, you, you, there's, there's a million and one things you could get involved in. Now, in our nation, at one time, it wasn't that way. Anybody remember blue, blue laws? What are called blue laws? Remember that? Things weren't open. We, we had respect for the things of God. Now then, listen, you can go anywhere. You can be involved in all kinds of things. Can, can, I, can, I, can I help you with something? Listen, listen, be generous with your time. Be generous with your effort. Be generous with the investment of your life in the things of God. Amen. Amen. Yes. Generous. Go on down here if you would. The Bible said they gave, verse 8, they gave, uh, uh, they with whom uh, precious stones were found, gave them. They gave their jewelry. He said, I think that's a little too much. I'm just telling you what the Bible said. These these folks got so excited about seeing this work for God done, they they gave generous, they gave things that were precious to them. No doubt, dear to them and had... meaning, uh, emotionally, had meaning. Verse 9 said, Then the people rejoiced for that they had offered willingly. Because with perfect heart, uh, uh, sincerity, they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced greatly. Now here it is. It's beautiful. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Next to that verse right there, if you're taking notes, write down the word adoration. Adoration. 
This spirit of consecration is a spirit of generosity. Number two, it's a spirit of adoration. Here David publicly before these leaders, before God's people, is open about his love to the Lord. He said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all both riches and honor come of thee and thou reignest over all and in thy hand is power and might and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Listen, you know why you ought to pick up this hymn book and sing with us, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe display. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. You know why? Because you didn't do it this week at home. Now maybe you did. Praise the Lord if you did. But if you did, you did it here when we did it too. If you were doing that at home this week, you couldn't wait to that part of the service. Everybody all right? Breathe in, breathe out. Yes. There is something about, listen, if you, if you have, if you've been loving on the Lord all week long and rejoicing and praising, then, then you love it when you get with a bunch of other people that's singing and praising the Lord. I mean, years ago, no, when I tore him over there, a lady came several times to church and, uh, and she came up out of one of the services. She said, I have never been in a church where, like, when you say, let's sing, like everybody sings. <laughs> she told me. I said, well, not quite everybody does sing, but a bunch of people do. Amen. And can I tell you something? When you are devoted, when you are consecrated to the Lord and His service, that is a spirit of generosity, number one. It's a spirit of adoration. We love the Lord, and we are not ashamed to say so. Amen. It is also, in verse number 13, David in his prayer said, Now therefore, our God, we thank Thee. And praise thy glorious name. Number three, it's a spirit of thanksgiving. A spirit of thanksgiving. Oh, we thank thee. We thank thee. We thank thee. And praise thy glorious name. I said this on Wednesday night. I want to say it again this morning. Thanksgiving or gratitude, if you will. Thanksgiving, I would be the act. Gratitude would be the attitude. Thanksgiving or a spirit of gratitude, if you will. It comes with this. It's based on this thought. I don't deserve anything. Thanksgiving is rooted in the expectation of nothing. The reason we gripe and complain is because we expected something and it didn't go our way, whether it was how the car ran and whether the way our boss treated us, whether the way our spouse spoke to us, whether the way uh, the weather went, whether, whatever, whether it be the, the grade the teacher gave us. We had some expectation in our mind about how our life should be and it didn't work out that way and so we griped. God didn't make us to gripe. God made us to praise and give thanks. Amen. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, Paul wrote. Rejoice evermore, he wrote. That's our job. And a Christian who is devoted to his Lord and to his Lord's service and to his Lord's work, his spirit is one of generosity. He's not, he's not, he's not, oh boy, what are they trying to get from me now? Hold on to your wallet. Here comes the plate. No, it's a spirit of generosity. It's a spirit of adoration. I love the Lord. I'm not ashamed. It's a spirit of thanksgiving. Oh, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. You've been so good to me. You've been so good to me. It is next, verse 14, a spirit of humility. Spirit of humility. They sang about this a little bit. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? Look at this. For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. Hey, listen, before you break your arm trying to pat yourself on the back, remember something. Anything you have ever given to the Lord, it was His anyway. <laughs> I, gave him so, I gave God so much. I give so much time down there at that church. I mean, I just give and give. That's just, I'm just a given person. You can't believe how much oxygen I used up down there at the church. Oh, <gasps> 
oh, just a working. <gasps> and of thine own have we given thee. Where'd you get your oxygen? <laughs> Everything we have ever had. Every good gift, the Bible said, and every perfect gift is from above. Amen. I, from above. Listen, that's a spirit of humility. Who am I? God, you're the one that allowed David gave generously. But then he says, Lord, I, I, only reason I could do this is because you gave it to me. That's the only reason. How many of you can say honestly, God has been so much better to me than I deserve? How many of you can say that? How many of you can say God has been better to me than I deserve? Ah, I don't think I have it with me. I printed off a little verse list. I must have left it on the table. I printed a list of verses, about a half a dozen of them, but all of them say the same thing. I'll quote most of them for you. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. You know what impute means? Charge to your account. Aren't you glad God didn't charge all your sins against you, but he charged them to Jesus Christ? Amen. He said elsewhere, he said, he's given us less than our iniquities deserve. Less than our iniquities. Now, how many have ever been spanked by the Lord? You've been spanked, okay? What was it? No. Uh, you've been spanked. But how many you say, the truth is this? If he spanked me for everything I deserve to be spanking, I wouldn't even be standing, right? He's given us less than our iniquities deserve. He said, uh, the prophet said this. He said, it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. You know why I'm not already burning in hell right now? Because God is a merciful God. Amen. And mercy means he withholds what I deserve. Can I tell you something? There's not a person on this earth that doesn't deserve hell. You deserve hell. I deserve hell. It's God's mercy that keeps us from going to hell. He withholds the judgment that we deserve. What a wonderful God we have. You know what, my dear friend? It ought to humble us to think and to realize that, hey, everything everything about my life, every good thing about my life is because of God. Everything He's done for me, anything I've done for Him is because of what He did for me first. Oh, a spirit of humility. Can I tell you something? Consecration. Here, here's the verse. That no flesh should glory in His presence. Consecration isn't about me displaying my talent at church. It's about giving God glory and honor. May I ask you a question? Why would you get offended that you didn't get to use your talent in front of somebody else? Why would anybody get offended that you couldn't use your talent in front of someone else? Can you can you worship God privately? Yes. Can you worship God publicly? Yes. And if God opened the door and you were able to worship Him publicly, David's worshiping God publicly here. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Amen. But nobody can keep you from worshiping the Lord if that's what we're concerned about. You know why? Because I can worship all day long. Amen. 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 I don't know how many times people offended over this and over that over the years. Let me tell you something. If consecration is this, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. If I get to do something, hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't deserve any of it. Can I give you the fifth word? Look at verse 15. For we are strangers before thee, and sojourners as we all our as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. I, I, I struggle a little bit with this word, but here's the word I want to give you to try to put verse 15 in one word, sobriety, sobriety. Now, I don't, by sobriety, I don't mean just not getting drunk, okay? I mean more than that. There's a word in the Bible, sober, and certainly if you're drunk, you're not sober, but it has to do with your mindset. And he gives some sobering thoughts here. He said, look, we're strangers. In other words, we, we, we don't belong here. You understand that? He said, we're strangers. David is recognizing that on this earth, as a child of God, we're strangers. We are strangers before thee. And sojourners. That means this is not a permanent dwelling place. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Amen. We're strangers before thee. And sojourners, 
as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow. And there is none abiding. Here's what he's saying. We don't belong here. We don't fit in here. Our time is short here. And when he says there's none abiding, there's no staying. He said, I don't want to leave you. If you're born again, you're going up. Amen. At the rapture. You by the clods or by the cloud. One of the two. There's no staying here. You know, I, I sometimes, I make my wife nervous sometimes. The first time I ever saw somebody with these big gauges in their ears. Other than a National Geographic magazine. First time I ever saw him was in San Felipe restaurant. And I was like, and I think I said, I got to talk to this guy. She said, you go ahead. Anyway, I walked up to him. I said, tell me about that. And uh, it's it's a gauge. I said, I don't know, it's probably about the size of a 50 cent piece. I said, how long did it take to do that? I said, how'd you do that? And well, you put something in there and you put something, a little beer and a little something. And, and, and I said, how long? And I asked about that. I mean, I don't really know why anybody would do that if they didn't want to be noticed. So I noticed. I wasn't unkind. I was very nice about it. I was curious. I said, how long did it take? What happens if you take it out? Well, <laughs> now, look. Here's what. We were coming out of... Uh, the amusement park in Tennessee. This years ago, uh, coming coming out of Dollywood, coming out of Dollywood, and uh, anyway, and and I saw a guy sitting on a little brick uh, wall there, and uh, a little knee wall there, and and he's sitting on the brick, and and I I, I was fascinated, <laughs> and I went up to him, and I was by myself all of a sudden. Anyway, <laughs> but I went up to him. I said, I got to ask you, sir. I got to ask you. I said, how many of those have you got? He said, I got 41 from my neck up. He had 41 piercings from his neck up. I mean, it looked like he went in the tackle box and went... (laughs) (laughs) Now, listen. I'm not the judge of anybody's motives, okay? But can I tell you something? I have to look sometimes and I think to myself, wow, wow. There's something in us. We, 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 we want to fit in. We want to fit in. Some of the things that's happening, violent crimes that are happening, foolish, non-provoked, seemingly random, violent crimes. I read an article just a few weeks ago. Advocating for the change in laws for juvenile crimes. Because we have 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds committing armed robbery, committing murder. I'm talking about children. And there is a, there's advocacy in our nation. We've got to rethink these things. These are violent Criminals who 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 are, are murdering people, hijacking cars. Ten-year-olds. One kid's rap list was filled up with a ten-year-old uh, hijacking cars. And 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 and, and, and <laughs> um, can I tell you something? I, I would assume that that's a kid. In a really bad group, maybe a really bad example at home, or maybe no example at home, and no monitoring what he's looking at, but it's whatever his little group of, he's not by himself doing that stuff. Whatever little group he's in, this is what you do. That's what you do, man. You go out there, you know, oh, oh, boom, boom, you know, that's what you do. You need to find a new crowd, sir. Hey, kid, you need to go swing on the swing. Play t-ball. My point is this. We all want to fit in somewhere. But if you're a child of God, listen to me, if you're a child of God, First Peter said it, 
the, the scripture says over and again that we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. We are sojourners, is the way David said it in this text right here. We're sojourners means we're passing through. This is not our permanent resident. Uh, the New Testament said it's our citizenship is up somewhere else. Listen, I, 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 I love my, my where I live. I love Ashborough. I love my home, love Ashborough. I love uh, the country in which I live. But let me tell you something. I am a child of God. And my citizenship is in heaven. And my king is Jesus Christ. And I'm only here for a short time. I don't expect to fit in entirely down here. And I'm not trying to. I'm trying to please my King of kings and Lord of lords. We need to sober up. Life is short. And this is a dress rehearsal for eternity. We're here for just a moment. The Bible said our life is like a vapor. Take a little hairspray bottle. And it's gone. Our life is a vapor. It's here for a moment and then it vanishes away. That ought to sober all of us up. What are we doing investing so much in worldly things and, 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 and worldly thoughts and ideas? And Man, we, we, need to, we, need to, we need to loosen some of those things that keep us from being completely consecrated, completely sold out, all in with Jesus Christ. We need to loosen some of those ties. Not because, we're listen, we're sinners saved by grace. We're not better than anybody. I'm not suggesting that for a moment. But I'm saying we're called to something higher. Listen, if you're married, listen, if you're married, you shouldn't be hanging out with the single guys anymore. Let me say that again. If you're married, you don't need to be hanging out with the single guys anymore. Let me try it one more time. If you're married, you don't need to be hanging out with single guys anymore. Amen. Why? You've been called to something higher. You've been called to something higher. Your priorities should change. Your commitments should change. And I'm saying to all of us as believers who are consecrated, saved by the good grace of God, consecrated unto the Lord, devoted unto Him, we're, we're, we, we have a higher calling. We don't need all these attachments with the world. Even some of the things that are not sinful, but they're just weights that keep us from being all in with the Lord. Oh, listen, when that trumpet sounds, I want to be all in with Jesus Christ. When the trumpet sounds, the, the shout, the voice of the archangel, and we're caught up this. I like to be in church. That'd be a good place to go to heaven from. Amen. I like to be busy for the Lord. That happens. One last thing. He says in verse 16, number one, that's the spirit of generosity. Two, adoration. Three, thanksgiving. Four, humility. Five, sobriety. And lastly, verse 16, O Lord God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. I know also, my God, Look at this phrase, that thou triest, puts to the test, triest the heart, and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of mine heart, have I willingly offered all these things. And now have I seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. Here's the sixth word I want to give you, sincerity. A spirit of consecration is a spirit of generosity, a spirit of adoration. I love you. I'm not ashamed. Thanksgiving. You've been so much better to me than I deserve. Humility. I don't deserve any of this, Lord. It's not about me at all. Sobriety. My time is short. I need to detach from this old world and be the peculiar people God's called me to be. And lastly, sincerity. The word sincere means honest of heart, no ulterior motive, no show of willingness, but as we read several times, willingness from the heart. Thou triest the heart, and you found that we have offered willingly a spirit of consecration or devotion is a willing Sincere, willing heart. Do you know, you won't be able to do everything you'd like to do. That, that's, this whole story is about this. David said, I want to build a temple. God said, I'm glad you want to. You, you won't be able to, but I'm glad you want to. Being a willing servant doesn't mean you get to do all the things you want to do, but it means that's your spirit. Boy, I would if I could. 
I'd like to, and I'll sure do what I can do. I can't do all the things I'd like to do. How many feel that way in the work of the Lord? It's like, man, there's some things I wish I could do. I, I can't do everything I'd like to do. You ever feel that way? All right. But here, a willing servant comes from a willing heart. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I may not be able to do all the things I'd like to do, but I, but I wish I could. May I pay tribute to something that I think is a, 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 a detrimental philosophy and I don't think it comes from a, a devoted heart. We begin to look at the work of the Lord as though it's somehow a threat to our lives. Over the years, I've heard people say, well, whatever you do, don't ever drive a bus because then they'll ask you to do it every week. Whatever you do, don't go work the nursery because then they'll, they'll expect you to do it every week. Whatever you do, don't, you know, don't start cleaning. If you volunteer to clean, well, you're going to be doing it every week. So here's what the comment suggests, that somehow it's unfair if somebody has to clean the church every week. Did it ever dawn on you? Not everybody feels that way. Some people say, boy, I'm so glad I get a place to serve. And if you think there's, there's some inequity in that, I have to keep the nursery every week, did it ever dawn on you that your spirit is what causes that? How about this? Lord, I want to do everything for you. I can't do everything. But whatever I can do, would you let me do it? God looks at our heart. And yes, I understand obedience is, 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 is right, even if our motives are not pure yet. But you know what ought to happen as we obey? Our motives ought to become pure. We ought to eventually get to the place where we do it for the glory of God. Now, you say, well, I'm not going to do it just because somebody wants me to do it. Well, if it's right to do go ahead and do it. Amen? Well, that's not the right reason. Go ahead and do it for the wrong reason. It's better to do right for the wrong reason than do wrong for the right reason. Well, that was pretty good. I'll say that again. It's better to do right for the wrong reason than wrong for the right reason. But you know what happens if you start doing right? God will work, work your motives over. Amen. And you'll grow and you'll mature. A spirit of devotion is this. I, yeah, I'm glad to. I, I, I'm glad to. I, I, I want to be used of God. I want to be generous. I want to adore you. Thank you. Humble myself before you. Live sober-minded with a sincere, willing heart. Ask your question this morning. Are you devoted fully to the Lord? Well, you're here, I know. But is your heart devoted to Him? Are you consecrated to Him? Would you bow your heads, please? Our heads are bowed.